0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, what does a Joe Biden presidency mean for Canada?
1: We're seeing all over this nation, all cities and all parts of the country, indeed across the world, an outpouring of joy, of hope, renewed faith, in tomorrow bring a better day the effects
0: government decisions are having in the fight against COVID-19. Kind of been the lesson around the world where we have to cramp down hard and early to get the best possible outcomes. And so a failure to institute you know, compulsory restrictions on people's movements seems to manifest as high case loads down the road. And no federal help for airlines unless they offer their customers full refunds. Airlines and the air sector in general are going through a very rough period at the moment and that is why we are working on a package to address the requirements to ensure that Canadians will have a reliable, affordable and safe air sector after this pandemic is over. It's Monday, November the 9th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, Mark. It's always a pleasure.
0: So let's talk about Joe Biden's win in the American election. Uh, Justin Trudeau, of course, over the weekend congratulated the president-elect. And Kamala Harris, the vice president-elect. François-Philippe Champagne, the foreign affairs minister, has said this is good news for Canada. But there are people pointing out that Joe Biden is an opponent of the Keystone Pipeline and that there are other issues that will likely continue to be uh, a source of tension between the two countries inevitably uh, going forward. So what does a Biden presidency mean for Canada?
1: i think mark i I suppose a couple of words were i think we'll we'll describe it or certainly that's the expectation and it's predictability and stability that doesn't mean constant harmony with canada but you know the the past four years in the relationship between canada and the u.s has been marked by uh essentially constant sort of fighting over some key issues there have been It's hard to point out a whole lot of places where there was unanimity and and sort of a a Canada-U.S. love-in over anything with Donald Trump in the office. So predictability and stability, I think, will be the sort of key words for the Biden administration as far as Canada is concerned. But that doesn't mean that uh, there won't be problems. And you you talked about Keystone XL. That'll be a key one. Um, You know, the foreign affairs minister describes that as agenda item number one. But I think the other thing to think about is... um, you know, I think with Joe Biden, what we'll see is there'll they'll be a, a, a return to a constructive dialogue with, with international partners, international allies. He's ta- already talking about, you know, uh, uh, constructing executive orders for day one of the transition in January uh, to rejoin the, the World Health Organization, re, you know, uh, uh, rejoin international organizations that Donald Trump had pulled the U.S. out of and did so with great uh, disdain and anger. So a certain normalcy on the world stage, and that's good for Canada. Uh, Canada's always looked to the United States for a a leadership role as a a softer power uh, to to take the lead on some of these issues that have been completely abandoned uh, by Donald Trump over the last four years. So I think, you know, whereas Donald Trump was... You know, looking to make uh, allies into targets uh, and fight them on all kinds of stuff. I don't think you'll see that from from Joe Biden, but that doesn't mean we won't have issues such as Keystone Excel, That we won't have some other issues uh, where there might be problems. But I think certainly in the in the near, uh, short to medium term, uh, I think most people think Joe Biden is going to, you know, be very focused on dealing with an America that's become. Uh, very inward focused uh very uh, you know protectionist insular more polarized under donald trump and those aren't policy issues and differences those those are fundamental worldview differences that may be very hard to change and will not be easy to moderate and i think you won't hear joe biden talking a whole lot about canada other than to uh, try to reset the relationship he's got a lot of stuff to deal with on the domestic front just to try and bring that country together
0: yeah, I think that's a really good point. And and under normal circumstances, you'd be thinking about a transition in power that would lead to a visit to Canada at some point. That was a bit of a custom for a time that the first international visit by a new US president would be to Canada. Joe Biden came to Canada in uh late 2016 after the US election which brought Donald Trump to power, but before Trump was sworn in while Biden was still vice president. Um but it seems uh, it's almost difficult to think of the u s. President being focused on anything outside the American borders initially because there are so many domestic issues plus the coronavirus uh, pandemic for him to deal with, right?
1: yeah you know, I think I, you know I think what the rest of the world, including Canada, is looking for is a signal, and I think we've already seen it in just in tone from Joe Biden. And I think you know uh, it it'll say a lot about how he. Uh, Plans to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic, and he's you know he's uh, as early as uh, the next couple of days, he's he's going to be working on appointing a a, a, you know a a team of experts to take a different approach to dealing with the pandemic and responding to it, an approach uh, you know much more focused on science and the experts, and you know less on sort of jarring. Uh, jumping sort of policy decisions that we saw from, you know, Donald Trump and whether or not he was hiding information about the pandemic from Americans, which it appears he was. Uh, but I think what the world's looking for is just a signal. Like I say, if Joe Biden talks about the importance of the WTO and talks about the importance of the World Health Organization and the importance of an American leadership role on the world stage, I think that will be enough for for, for allies around the world to, to to hear him talk about resetting the global relationships uh, will be enough uh, to carry people for a while before it gets down to the nitty-gritty policy decisions, although Canada may have to move pretty quickly to uh, have conversations about Keystone XL and where that's going because millions has already been invested by Alberta and so on. So if it's going to be ground to a halt under this administration, uh, Canada needs to you know jump on that and try and, uh, you know, change that channel, move that decision as quickly as it can. But that will also highlight, uh, you know, some challenges for the Trudeau government. So Joe Biden opposes Keystone XL, and he does it in the context of a need to fight climate change. And that will, you know, reanimate the conversation in this country about, uh, you know, straddling these two issues. How can a Trudeau government be committed to climate change if it's going to approve pipelines? So we're going to hear a lot about that again in the Canadian conversation.
0: All right, let's talk about the coronavirus situation. And I know there's been rising concern over the last couple of weeks about the increase in infections. This is going to be another week where people, I think, will be watching the daily numbers very closely and wondering if further action is needed by various levels of government to rein things in a little bit to try to control the spread of the virus. Uh, What do you think? uh, Do you think this is a week where we could see action on the part of government or a change in course or is is everybody just going to kind of take it day by day?
1: Well, I think, you know, um, I guess what I'll be watching for this week is whether or not the the latest round of decisions that political leaders are taking in consultation with, uh, you know, their health tables and their health experts, uh, are they working? Um, You know, we were, we've been talking about for weeks about how to keep a, uh, you know, a, a a second wave of the pandemic from overwhelming uh, the healthcare system and you know in many provinces we've been able to do that even while the numbers rise in some other provinces it's becoming a challenge and i think this week might be really important to see whether what these latest measures that provinces are taking and include uh, you know the province of ontario which has has opened up you know loosened some restrictions in most parts of the province from in some of these red zones that even allow uh, loosened restrictions even under a code red, whether that's working and if it's not working, what's coming next? If we see these numbers continue to rise throughout the week and maybe into next week, even while they continue to talk about loosening restrictions or tightening them in some places, I think we're going to be back to some of this confusing national conversation that Canadians have been subjected to where... Uh, we're getting you know, different, you know, different approaches in different parts of the country, and yet the outcome, the outcome in many places, in most places, seems to be, uh, um, you, know, you know, sadly similar, and that the cases continue to rise. And then I watch again when that starts to happen. I think I'll start to look for this if it does. Uh, this conflict between. Uh, the decisions, and in many cases, uh, the economic and important economic decisions being made by political leaders, and then if we start hearing from health experts on the sidelines saying, okay, look, uh, it's time to talk about lockdown again, that'll take us into a whole different place.
0: All right, let's talk about the airline industry in Canada. Transport Minister Garnell was speaking about this on the weekend, and Uh, There has been, uh, for a long time, requests from the airline industry for support from the federal government. Obviously, they've been decimated by the reduction in travel that has resulted from the pandemic. Uh, The government, of course, has provided support to all businesses in the country, and the airlines have benefited from that, but they were looking for additional measures. And Marc Garneau has said that any measures will be contingent upon the airlines providing refunds to passengers. So, uh, what do you make of this development, and where could this go?
1: Uh, you know this is this is probably where we've headed. It's taken a long time to get here. That's I think observation number one is this is one industry that's been uh, badly, badly hit, forty uh, percent of the revenues marked down. Uh, this year compared to last, uh, you know, expected to lose nearly $15 billion in revenue this year. So it's taken a long time to even get to the conversation about a bailout package and when it's actually coming. And don't think it's coming in the next couple of days because what the ministers announced on the weekend is that the talks are slated to start later this week. But he set the ground rules. Any airlines that want uh, any kind of... Uh, you know um, help from the federal government some kind of a, a, a subsidy pandemic package uh, they will have to refund those canceled tickets uh, to passengers at the beginning of the pandemic and there have been some 8, 8 complaints uh, to the canadian regulator about this most of them dealing with canceled tickets and the fact that people couldn't get refunds so he's laying down the sort of ground rules for how it's going to work it's that refunding tickets and making sure that the uh, airline routes to different regions of the country are maintained or you don't get help from the government so that's the marker that mark Arno is putting down and we'll see you know uh, how the airlines respond to that and whether they're prepared to uh, you know get uh, to, you know take some federal money based on those ground rules but the bottom line is here there's no way the government given the outcry we've heard from Canadians about uh, these canceled tickets for months now. Be pretty hard politically to go ahead and, and present uh, taxpayer money uh, to help these airlines on top of taxpayer money that's already gone to them in the form of tickets that people can't get refunded for. So the government is 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 trying to you know walk the middle of this road where it's providing help but under these conditions. And we'll see you know whether the airlines take them up on that. Hard to think they'd have any choice but to do it uh, given the state of Uh, the industry these
0: days. All right, we'll see what happens, Peter. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us today.
1: Okay, Mark, great to talk to you, and we'll talk again soon.
0: That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. For all those
1: of you who voted for President Trump, I understand the disappointment tonight. I've lost a couple times myself, but now let's
0: give each other a chance. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today in the Toronto Star. Royce and James argues, it's now up to Joe Biden to heal an ailing America. James writes, As the world's most powerful nation limps to the finish line of an astonishingly partisan and confrontational election campaign, America's friends and allies cling to the hope that rests in Joe Biden. How do you heal America when its constituent parts are so invested in splintering along fault lines of race, class, religion and culture? Biden may be the best suited for this mission near impossible. In spirit and temperament, he is just what the doctor ordered for a sick and ailing country. At Policy Magazine, L. Ian McDonald argues, Joe Biden's decency has won him the White House. McDonald writes, In terms of moral authority, Biden won both the college and the popular vote, not by a little, but by a lot, by enough to silence Trump's false claims of fraud by enough that women, people of colour, immigrants, and LGBTQ citizens all had reason to celebrate. Foreign affairs watchers around the world note that he reached out to them and pledged that America would lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. In the Globe and Mail, Brooks Follis argues Canada needs a more aggressive COVID strategy to break the cycle of lockdowns. Follis writes... Provinces are mainly accepting significant viral activity to minimize economic disruption. A trade-off is being made between mortality, morbidity and strain on healthcare resources and a perceived improvement in short-term economic prospects. Ultimately, this strategy requires a highly effective vaccine to break the cycle of restrictions. Canada has invested in multiple vaccine candidates, but in the meantime a national suppression strategy would create jobs, save lives, and unify Canadians in the hope of a freer life and a stronger economy. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. This will be a crucial week in assessing where the COVID-19 pandemic is headed in Canada, as well as the political responses to it across the country. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more.
2: Mark, when it comes to the pandemic's progress, one thing is for sure, aside from the Atlantic bubble, across the country, the rates continue to rise. There are three distinct regions to watch. Quebec, which until now has had the country's largest numbers of deaths, hospitalizations and infections. Ontario has a slightly different dynamic. And the West is, as some people have described, quite frankly, on fire with the growth of COVID-19. Manitoba has the highest per capita caseload in the country. Its death rates and hospitalization rates are way higher than even at the height of the first wave. Saskatchewan is seeing record growth. BC and Alberta have continued to shatter previous records and their caseloads are now in the same league as Quebec and Ontario. Politically, here's the lay of the land. BC and Alberta are going to have to, and are now starting, to move to stricter restrictions and to move beyond relying on voluntary measures. Manitoba is simply struggling to keep up with the surge and may be calling on Ottawa for more help. In Quebec last week we saw a significant development when Premier François Legault refused to re- a request from public health authorities in Montreal to loosen COVID-19 restrictions. Quebec then promptly broke its previous record by surpassing 1,300 infections in a day. In Ontario, Premier Doug Ford last week announced some limited reopenings in some of the province's hotspots, but that was promptly followed on Sunday by a record 1,300 cases in Ontario. One thing is for sure, there is no sign that any of the growth is slowing, and voluntary measures and current measures don't look as if they are enough. Ottawa will be called upon to boost testing capacity, to help with surge capacity, and maybe uh, even to give some more emergency aid for places such as long-term care homes and hospitals as they start start to bear the brunt of the second wave.
0: Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom before he speaks with the media, along with Innovation Minister. Navdeep Bains, Minister for Women, Mariam Monsef, Infrastructure Minister, Catherine McKenna, and Government House Leader, Pablo Rodriguez. This afternoon, the Prime Minister will take part in a virtual meeting with faith and anti-racism organizations. He'll be joined by Public Safety Minister, Bill Blair. Infrastructure Minister, Catherine McKenna, will make a virtual announcement this morning. Economic Development Minister, Melanie Joly, will make a virtual announcement in support of advanced manufacturing in the Windsor-Essex region. She will also take part in a virtual news conference to announce funding for an infrastructure project for the francophone community in Nunavut. And Canadian Heritage Minister Stephen Guilbault will make a virtual announcement about the Creative Export Canada program in Quebec. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, November the 9th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.